form we're in. And uh, let's start out tonight with reading from Romans 10, 9. And I know that a lot of us, uh, you know, know this scripture. We quote it all the time. But I want to bring out a couple of things that I believe that will help you. And it says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I want to talk to you tonight about salvation. I want to talk to you not just so much about well, you need to be saved. We know that because most of us that are watching are saved. And uh, for those of you that aren't, uh, at the end of the program, I'll give you an opportunity to pray with us that you could receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, realize that salvation is not a religion. It is not a dutiful uh, acting out of somebody's wishes. It is not being devoted to some way of belief. What it is in its highest form is a reconciliation of man and women to the rightful state that God desires them to have. So when we're saved, we are transformed and we are brought into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a list of do's, it's not a list of don'ts. What it is, it is based upon a personal, intimate, knowing Jesus Christ. Now, the word salvation is an all-encompassing word. In other words, it takes into its meaning every act and every work and everything that's been produced by the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. That's why healing uh, is the same word as salvation and deliverance is the same word of salvation. Those are things that Jesus did when he come to give his life so that men might be saved. That was God's will. And so all of these, the benefits, the acts, all of the, uh, are all involved in the word of salvation. You cannot separate blessing from salvation because Jesus said in Acts, the third chapter, I come to turn them from their iniquity that he may bless us. And so all of mankind is in it is called to be saved. Jesus came to save the world. And salvation means that a man is redeemed by the payment of a ransom that delivers him. We know that the unsaved are bound. They are uh, citizens of the kingdom of darkness. But when you and I, you and I are saved, then we understand that we are no longer a part of that citizenship of the kingdom of darkness. Now, the word salvation, saved, is used 163 times in the Bible from cover to cover. There are seven Hebrew words, 
seven Hebrew and Greek words that make up the word salvation or saved, as well as 23 English words. In other words, it is a big meaning and it covers the totality of the work of Jesus Christ. And so there are 23 uh, English words. These words mean this. Salvation means to uh, something to be con committed to or connected to. These words are these in the English. They are words, deliverance. Deliverance means salvation. It means to deliver. It means delivered. It means save or to save. It means to he that saveth or he that is saving. It means health. It means help. Now, all of these are words that mean salvation. They could be replaced from one word to another word. It's a kind of like a synonym. In other words, it's not the word, but it means the word. And so, it means a healing. It means welfare. It means safety. It means victory. It means savior. It means to defend it means to avenge, it means to rescue, and to preserve. Now, that's what salvation. So when Jesus came, he came to do all of those things on our behalf. All of those things. And then salvation teaches a full, complete deliverance from or release from sin and all of its results. Think of this, that salvation means a release from sin and all of its punishment or all of its rewards of disobedience. It doesn't mean some of them, it means all of them. So when you ask somebody, are you saved? And they say, yes. What they're saying is this, yes, I am the healed. Yes, I am delivered. Yes, I am uh, set free. Yes, I've been rescued. Yes, I have been helped. Yes, I live in safety. Yes, I have victory. You're saying all of those things. Instead of listing them, one word encompasses it all. And so the word saved, revealed in Scripture, reveals to us a complete deliverance from all types of danger, all types of trouble, sin, disease, poverty, all needs, and it has received a freedom from Satan's control and sin's desire. Now that's salvation. Now that is in its totality, in its full complete revelation, in the scriptures that are revealed to us, Isaiah 28, here a little and there a little. In other words, we lay a truth, then we lay another truth. We add to those truths until it begins to bring a full, complete revelation or reflection of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And we would say, well, is that important? Well, absolutely. Because if we don't know that we have been freed from those things, 
if we don't know that we've been saved from those things, if we don't know that we've been ransomed from those things, if we don't know we have been released from those things, then we never ever will have faith to live in the salvation of the Lord. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you know the scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Some of us live like salvation has never taken place. Or we view salvation as just a forgiveness of sins. But it's far more than that. Jesus didn't just come to free us. He came to save us. And so we're going to talk about what salvation is uh, in the next couple of nights. Now, salvation is a present day fact and a right now state. Romans 10, 9 said this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. Saved. When you receive Jesus Christ, when you make the confession of faith, when you believe that he came and died on the greatest demonstration of love in the world, which is the cross, and you believe in the greatest demonstration of power, him being raised from the dead, you then are saved. Not you're going to be saved, you are saved. And so it is a present day reality, it is a right now state. You are saved. You are saved. Uh, Mark 16, 16 says this, Go and preach the gospel. They that believe and are baptized shall be saved. And they that do not believe, they shall be damned. So we have to understand that when we receive Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord of our life, surrender our life to him, not portions of it, but surrender it all. When we surrender it all, then we understand that we are saved. Let me say this. I've seen this on a, a Facebook that uh, in Italy, uh, the, the, uh, of course, that's where one of the hot spots where the virus is, but what it did was show people in Italy, out in the streets, laying prostrate before the Lord and crying out that only Jesus can save us from this plague. Now, they've wanted to be a socialist nation. They've wanted to be a godless nation. But in the midst of all of this, God has set the stage and Italians are laying prostrate in the streets crying out for salvation from Jesus Christ. And so we know that they shall be saved. Those, they are then taken from a lost state to a saved state. Acts 2.47 said, 
Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is a surety of our hope. It is not a guessing game. It is a certainty of a position with God by faith through grace. And then in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, it tells us, let's go over there, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. That's right after Romans. I'm reminding myself. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 uh, says this. For the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross, is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are, are saved. That is making a statement that you are saved. It is a present, complete work. It is a reality, and it is a now, right now condition. You are saved. So what are you? The Bible says that salvation means what? You are delivered. It means that you are set free. It means that you have been redeemed. It means that you are healthy. It means that you are helped by God. You are being provided by God's wealth, not your own. It means that you will have safety no matter where you go. It is a state of victory. It is a state of defense and vengeance as well as rescue and perseverance. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That is who you are. Not what you're trying to become, but who you are. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Because not only is salvation a present-day state, it is an ongoing transformation and change as well as an experience of everything that salvation is. So it is a present state of condition. You have been healed. And then it is a present day work in progress that God is continually healing us. And so that's found in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. And it says these words. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ Jesus shall all be made alive. So here we see that we are made alive in Christ Jesus. But every man, watch this, that hath this hope, that hath, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So we want to make sure that we know that we are saved and that we do what salvation requires of us to do. What does it require? It requires that on a personal basis every day we work out our salvation. In other words, we are judging and examining everything that we are setting in motion or that we are allowing to happen in our life. So if we are working out our salvation, 
So it is a present-day state, a reality that cannot be changed. You are saved, but then you are constantly being transformed into this saved state by you putting off the old things and putting on the new. While you are discovering your benefits and the promises of God in your life. And so we are making sure that we are saved by receiving Jesus Christ, but then we are working out all the things that would seek to stop, overthrow, or abort our salvation in Christ. That's where temptation comes in. It comes in to get you to do that which is unrighteous, which produces sin. And then it seeks to create a habit in your life, and that habit is a sinful habit. And that sinful habit begins to break you away from your salvation and its benefits. So we are working on it. It is an ongoing work. And then it is something that we are looking forward to or we are going to experience. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 22, If you endure to the end, you shall be saved. Isn't that, doesn't that seem like, how can you be saved and then work on perfecting your salvation and then look forward to wit to experience the fullness of your salvation. So we see that salvation has three stages. Yes, it is an unquestionable state because of your repentance. And yes, it does require that you work out, put off those things by finding out God's will and so forth for your life. You put them off and you're working out that which is pleasing to God you're finding his personal convictions for your life, you're finding out his purpose for your life, and you are striving to become the Christ embodiment that God desires you to be. And then he is saying, prepare, we are going to endure to the end. In other words, there are things trying to push you away from your everyday perfection of your salvation. And these are troubles, tribulations, persecutions, temptations. But if you endure through all of them, hold fast your faith, then you shall be saved, and we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Now here's another way of looking at it. In 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. It says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. The word death could be translated, we had the sentence of sickness. We had the sentence of need. We had the sentence of change. We had the sentence of bondage. We had the sentence of, a, of, of pressure, depression. We had the sense of it in ourselves. We had the sentence of how to deal with the devil in ourself. And it said we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves 
but in God which raiseth the dead. Now what's these words in verse 10? Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us and in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. Now that word deliver is the same word of salvation or saved. See, God has saved us. Yes, we are being saved. And yes, we will ultimately be saved. So salvation has three very real steps, and you and I need to understand them so that we can grow in them. All right, if you'll go over to Mark, the fourth chapter, and verse 11. Mark, the fourth chapter, and verse 11. We're going to start uh, talking about some of the things that salvation is. Now remember, you are saved. So what does that tell you? That whatever we find that salvation has done for you, you already are. You're not trying to become it. You are working on perfecting it, bringing it to its fullest manifestation, to partake of its full benefits, and yes, you are going to endure the pressures that try to separate you from God. But you are, in reality, saved. Saved. And if you're saved, you are what salvation has made you. Amen. All righty. Mark, the fourth chapter, and verse 11. And it says this, And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, those that are lost, those that are not in the kingdom, those that are not saved, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Least, least, at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Do you know that salvation is a conversion of a man? And the Bible says that when they are converted, when they see what Jesus has done, they're converted. And let's look at Psalms 19, 7 through 13. Now I know that you say, boy, you got a lot of scriptures. That's okay. We have a lot of time. We're at home. And uh, Acts, I'm sorry, Psalms 19, verse 7 through 13. Psalms, verse 19. Conversion means a change of direction. It means that when a man is converted, he has a new walk with God. Now, before he was void of understanding, he had an ignorance of God's way and God's will. Therefore, he automatically walked in disobedience. He walked in an unconverted state. He walked in an unsaved state. And so in Psalms 19, in verse 7, it begins to tell us these things. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So when you get converted, you become a wise man. 
You are a wise man, and the law of the Lord perfects your walk. Secondly, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, the commandments of the Lord is pure and enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is the servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. And who can understand his heirs? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, that thou shalt, and shall I be upright. I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in the sight of the Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Now, a man that is converted encompasses all of this because